Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where each week you and I meet a guest who helps us pay attention to something we should know about as well as answering some of your questions. This week we're talking about ADHD in women, how the condition can present differently than people often expect, the privilege of obtaining a diagnosis and the lightbulb moment that finding your community can bring. I will also note here that we're having this discussion as two women who were both diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood. Neither of us are doctors or psychiatrists. This is a chat about personal experiences and things we've learned and does not substitute professional advice. So joining me this week is Ellie Middleton. Ellie is a writer, activist and content creator. After being diagnosed with ADHD as well as autism at the age of 24, she went on to found the online community Unmasked, which she describes as a safe space offering resources, friends and support to people with autism, ADHD and other neurodivergent conditions. The inspiration behind LinkedIn's I Am Professional campaign, Ellie is working hard to break down stereotypes about neurodivergent women all throughout kind of like childhood teenage years even now it's like I'll find one hobby and I'll be like this is my life like I will live and die by this hobby like if it's baking I'll go out I'll buy all the baking equipment I'll start an Instagram page thinking right this is it I'm gonna start a baking business and then two weeks later I'm like no I actually don't even enjoy baking I was just looking for something to keep me busy so let's kick off Could you, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a bit about your experience of being diagnosed with ADHD? Yeah, so it's all happened very kind of quickly for me. So it's all in the last like nine, 10 months. So um, basically Mm. I have always struggled with my mental health, always been misdiagnosed with like anxiety and depression and kind of always gone through cycles of being like, this busy, energetic, ambitious, like bubbly person, and then just crashing and burning Mm. every like six months or so. Mm -hmm. And I think the main time was kind of like sixth form. I ended up actually dropping out of school because I just crashed and burned. Um, And then I think that cycle kind of kept happening. And about the start of last year, when we were, it was the third lockdown after Christmas, where we were all kind of like cooped up. I think I could kind of like feel that crashing and burning happening again. And I was kind of like, there's something going on here. Like it's not anxiety. It's not depression. Like I'm not an anxious person. Like I don't worry about things. Like I just think a lot. And I was like, almost like, yeah, aware that something else was going on and digging around online about, you know, googling my symptoms or whatever and trying to just like find an answer to to whatever else was going on and um at the same time I was having counseling and me and my counselor were kind of just talking about something and she said to me um has it ever been looked into why you take things so literally and I was like no it hasn't but like I think I know what you're hinting at here so I kind of went away and that kind of put me on the autism path first um and then Mm -hmm. seeing that and then kind of discovering this whole world of like neurodiversity I guess um yeah kind of saw a lot about ADHD and autism and I was like ah (laughs) I think I know what's going on here Uh Um, so yeah I kind of had that light bulb moment and spoke to someone from the NHS who was like yeah I think think you definitely need a diagnosis or an assessment at least for ADHD and autism Mm -hmm. um so I kind of went ahead with the ADHD one first because it felt like a more tangible outcome I think I think I was like aware that if I did have ADHD and could get a diagnosis there was like the option of going on medication which could kind of like help get me out of this pit that I was in Mm -hmm. so I was almost like yeah that one seems more urgent right now so I I actually went private for that one because I was just at a point where I was like I I need some answers and I need them now so yeah I managed to get a private assessment and got my ADHD diagnosis in October last year and then kind of 
had that realization and then got my autism diagnosis in like February or March. So yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but I think it was just that, that reading of all the list of symptoms and being like, this all makes sense now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Things kind of falling into place and making a lot of sense. That's definitely something I can relate to as well. So, I mean, as it's been so recent, talk to me a little bit about unmasked because I feel like a lot of the work that you do now that's that must have happened really quite quickly in terms of when you'd had that diagnosis and when it became a much bigger and kind of more public part of your life and kind of and what you do how did you um found that community and why I guess yeah so yeah I think so I think part of it was literally just that I had this answer and this almost like felt like I had like this secret that everyone needed to know about. Mm. You know, I think I'd always been quite open about like struggling with what I thought was anxiety. And I'd always been quite open, like even through school. I think if we think back to like, so it was like 10 years ago, the mental health conversation wasn't like as far forward as it was no, now. And I was kind of like trying to like talk about my anxiety and stuff like that. And I'd had more like a very small scale, just like people that I knew through school and people that I like knew personally being like, oh my God, thank you. Like I really relate to what you're saying. And then suddenly I was like, well, how many of those people were, I, you know, I was wrong. I didn't have anxiety. So the thing that I was talking about that they were relating to, how many of them were actually relating to the fact that it wasn't anxiety? You know, if, if everything that I was saying was resonating with them, then, you know, they need to know about this too, because this might be their answer and then they might have their light bulb moment. And I think it was this like, yeah, it was like, I felt like the world needed to know. Like I, it was such like a light bulb moment for me that mm. everything, like we said, just clicked into place. That I was like, how many other people are there out there like waiting for this light bulb moment to happen? So I guess that was kind of like my reason for wanting to talk about it. But it happened really strangely, actually. I So around that same time in October, I'd just started working in social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that I was doing was working on like LinkedIn content for clients. So the company that I was working for at the time kind of were like, you know, I'd never posted on LinkedIn in my life. I had this idea that LinkedIn was for like professional men in suits. Like I just, it was not me. Yeah. Um, and they'd said to me like, it'd be good if you could start posting on LinkedIn because it's what we do for clients. And it's almost like showing that we're good at the service we're offering. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I can do that. Um, and I did a post about basically like about that, about what it means to be professional and saying, you know, just because I'm young doesn't mean I'm not professional. Just because I talk about my ADHD doesn't mean I'm not professional just because I've got tattoos piercings doesn't mean I'm not professional um and that post just took off so that kind of I guess kick-started it I think that kind mm. of got me to about 10,000 followers like pretty much like overnight so I wow. think it was like the combination of suddenly having an audience bigger than anything I'd had before that was interested in what I had to say and suddenly having this thing that I really wanted to tell people about so I think the two just combined and it's just like spiraled and spiraled and snowballed since then um but yeah I do think it was just this it was just this like yeah I couldn't it did not make sense to me how it had taken me such a long time to get this answer and it was like almost I felt like I need I I need other people to like know that this might be the answer to what's going on for them as well. Yeah, I that makes sense to me as well. I think, I mean, I'm a bit older than you are, but in a similar way, you know, I've had years of talking about depression and anxiety and like that had basically been even like like some kind of mood disorder was suggested at some point. And I feel like I've had the same sort of thing as you where you've gone, oh, actually that makes quite a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm interested to hear that you say, I mean, you talking about those things now, you say you were misdiagnosed with them and actually you don't think you were an anxious person. I am definitely still a very anxious person, but I've kind of had the same thing where you look back and wonder how much, how much of it was sort of intermingled. And yeah, it definitely can be quite frustrating, I think. Like I can remember specific conversations that I'd had with a therapist that I was seeing where I was talking about um experiences I'd had kind of on antidepressants and how even though I felt less sad and they'd sort of eased the symptoms of that depression, I still just felt like there was something 
not right and I just wasn't able to do things and I just didn't understand why I couldn't just get things done and now having this bit of extra knowledge I'm like how on earth did we not realize this sooner like I I could have known this years ago it was quite frustrating have you found yeah that frustration an element to it yeah definitely I think like something that I think about a lot is that I was so lucky like I spent so I was referred to the Children and Adolescents Mental Health Service when I was about 15. So from the age of 15 to 19, I spent so much time with medical professionals. Like I had a key worker at CAMS that I would see once a week. I saw a psychiatrist because I was on antidepressants under the age of 18. So it had to come through a psychiatrist rather than through my doctor. I saw psychologists. I did like therapy. And it's like, that is such a privileged position to have that amount of like access to Mm. all those medical professionals because most people can't get that help like I was one of the lucky few that did get the help and still didn't nobody even once like flagged it and I'm like what what hope in hell have like 90% of people got if I was so lucky to get that help like that's great that I got all that and still not one single person at one single point went, hmm, actually, mm. I wonder if this is what's going on here. And that like literally astounds me that I'm like, you know, that I must have spent a hundred hours underneath, like with people that were working in mental health teams. And I think because it is so like separate almost, like the the neurodiversity and the neurodevelopmental teams and the mental health teams in the NHS, they don't like nobody even considered that that might be what was kind of triggering me to feel that way. And yeah, I think that it just, it, yeah, it really, really blows my mind that I'm like, come on, I was literally sat in front of you for like hours and hours and nobody even once went, hmm, you know, maybe this is what's going on. And yeah, I think for me, I think it is like, it's obviously possible to be like, have, you know, still have generalized anxiety mm-hmm. alongside having ADHD and autism. But I think for me, the ways in which I experienced that sadness and that anxiety can almost be like explained by either the ADHD or the autism. So the like worry side of the anxiety, I don't think it was necessarily worries. It was just like lots and lots of thoughts. Like I would always just say to my mum, like I wish my brain would shut up. And Mm. it's like, for me, I think that's more ADHD than anxiety because it's just like having an overactive brain. And then like the depression side for me was all like these kind of six monthly crash and burns and now I look back and I'm like I think that's just like autistic meltdown autistic shutdown it's just me being overwhelmed and getting to that point where I crashed and burned so I think and I think since I've kind of found out and got my diagnosis and learned more about myself I don't really experience those feelings in the same way because Mm. yeah like you say it's like you, you know what's going on underneath there to cause it so it's not just like why do I feel so sad why you know why is this medication not helping me like what like just that kind of like loss of answers whereas now I'm like okay yeah I feel sad but I feel sad because I've been busy all week and I've burnt myself out or it's you know I've been in a noisy environment or I've not been in a stimulus like it's like I can almost logically work out why I'm feeling those feelings Mm -hmm. rather than just like the helplessness of I'm feeling this feeling just you know out of nowhere I guess yeah I think that's a really good point that you make actually because you know I've thought before how did this not get picked up etc but that is a really good point because when we're talking about ADHD or autism they're not mental illnesses it's like it's a whole different kind of thing so I guess in the same way that like if you or I or someone has been speaking to mental health professionals I guess maybe it's just not what they're looking for like if that's not what you've gone to them with obviously like luckily for both of us like we've eventually like managed to figure this out but I suppose it does make a bit more sense as to why you know like if you went to I don't know do you know what I mean (laughs) yeah it's like it's like you're almost going to like a physio but you're actually you've got a cut on your knee like yeah yeah I think it's like you're almost going to like the wrong person but uh, yeah I think it is very like a gray area because like they're not mental illnesses but they're still diagnosed by a psychiatrist so I think it's like yeah I think it is almost that it's not what they're looking for but I also think like especially with us both being women they're not looking for the right things like all the kind of diagnostic criteria and all the research and all the like 
idea is always like boys it's the ADHD like even I would have if someone would have asked me this time a year ago I would have if someone said like what what's your opinion on ADHD I would have been like naughty little schoolboy, you know someone that's young someone that's rocking backwards and forwards on their chair like it's almost like they're looking for this like outward hyperactivity Mm -hmm. of like causing chaos they're not looking for how it so often is in girls either not having the hyperactivity and just being inattentive or for me I am definitely hyperactive but it's just internal like yeah I might not be running around the room I might not have been rocking on my chair and causing chaos in school but I was having 20,000 thoughts inside my head um which I think is like a lot of the reason that they say that girls are more likely to be diagnosed with mental illnesses because it's like yeah, the hyperactivity isn't me fidgeting or running around. It's me having loads of thoughts, which when I explain that to somebody sounds a lot like anxiety, having loads of thoughts and thinking about things over and over again. And yeah, I think it's like, yeah, almost a combination of like the system, the way in which it works. It's like when you get to that point, they're looking at, okay, this is how this person's feeling. This is how we treat how this person's feeling, but not almost like, okay, well, what's what's causing them to feel that way but also that like yeah they're not they're not necessarily looking for the way that it shows up in people that aren't that kind of stereotypical white young boy yeah definitely I think that's kind of it as well where it all gets so messy and tangled up because especially as we're talking about ADHD in kind of adult women which we both are this is our sort of lived experience it is so so common I've then found out from researching that especially for adult women to have the sort of comorbid depression anxiety and it does make a lot of sense when you look at it that way sometimes because by the time you've got to adulthood knowingly or unknowingly you've spent so many years kind of masking the things that you've maybe found difficulty with or knowing that you find things really difficult that other people don't seem to find difficult and sort of beating yourself up about it and like feel like you're a rubbish person feel like you're not doing things properly feel like you can't cope and kind of really internalizing that on yourself I mean that's very much my experience and I'm saying that you know that won't be the same for everyone but I've read a lot of people saying similar things as an adult woman what were some of the things that you can now kind of point to and say oh that was a symptom for me yeah I think definitely like the the busy brain like Mm -hmm. just that like literally one of my mum has said like since being like literally like five years old I would just be like oh I just you know I just wish my brain would shut up or not being able to sleep because I was just like thinking about loads of different things I think that for me is just like the busyness of my brain and just like how much I'm thinking I think like the so the high fixations have definitely been a big thing for me like getting really obsessed with something and then like yeah so it's almost like all throughout kind of like childhood teenage years even now it's like I'll find one hobby and I'll be like this is my life like I will live and die by this hobby like if it's baking I'll go out I'll buy all the baking equipment I'll start an Instagram page thinking right this is it I'm gonna start a baking business and life. then two weeks later this is like two weeks later I'm like no I actually don't even enjoy baking I was just looking for something to keep me busy <laughs> yeah. and I think that is something like I have gone through like I was never that person that was like oh I know what I want to do with my life like I you know my dream job is this it mm-hmm. was like a new thing every you know, I played football when I was at primary school, then I did like performing arts, then I did cheerleading, then I, you know, was doing maths. And then I wanted to, you know, there's all so many, like, it was almost like a different obsession every year or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think just like, yeah, the chaos, I think like, I am so chaotic. And it's like, I think like you say, a lot of that was masked because I didn't see anyone around me being that chaotic and I was like okay you can't you can't be like this but yeah I think for me it's always like what's the next thing that I can do what's a different thing that I can do you know what's something that's going to keep me like my I feel like something has to be a lot to actually use up my whole brain so I'm always looking for like something else like I'd always be booking trips I'd always be like looking for a gig to go to or you know looking for a course to sign up to or a job to apply to just like yeah just almost like not knowing what path I was on just like firing off in a hundred different directions and just like 
waiting to see what would happen I think I think sticking to like the routines and stuff is something that showed up to me as well like just something like I used to be like why can't I just remember to brush my teeth like why do I find it so difficult to remember to brush my teeth before bed like why is like everyone else just knows and it's like you know in your brain you have to brush your teeth before bed but then it's just like yeah I guess the forgetfulness was another another thing for me and always being the person that like forgotten their PE kit or forgotten their stuff for food tech or whatever but yeah, yeah. I think just like generally chaos <laughs> do you ever get this this is just a personal question now do you ever get the thing where like because I know you're saying about um kind of like forgetting to brush your teeth for example do you ever have the thing where like I can think of doing it all the time where I'll be sat and I'm much more inattentive type than I am hyperactive type like way more um but I'll sit and kind of think, oh, like I'm thirsty. I need to get a glass of water, and then just sit there and not move and. Not it's like do you it. can't like compute the stages of like yeah, doing yeah. the thing that you need to do, or like get yourself up to. Do- I do it a lot with like, like with TikTok. I'll be on my phone on TikTok, and I'm like, you've been on here for so long. You need to get off this. Like, why are you? Why are you still scrolling? Why are you? Why you know? You need to go to bed, and it's like, yeah, you know the thing that you need to do, but your brain just won't do it. Yes, that thing where you have the thought and think, I should do this now, and 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, you haven't done that thing that you really need to do. Why don't you just stand up right now and do that thing? And you just don't do it, and it's so like that is the thing that I've really struggled to kind of explain to people over the years and it's that has been very sort of like affirming for me to hear that other people have the same thing because it just has always made me feel like I'm just useless and lazy and yeah there's some like not that there's something wrong with me just that I'm like a shit human being do you know what I mean <laughs> like yeah I think the laziness thing is like something that is like taken a lot of like like I need to like dig around in that a lot because it's like yeah you convince yourself that you're a lazy person and I was talking to my counselor about it and she was like lazy people don't worry that they're lazy they're just like they're just lazy that's like Mm. just who they are as a person they just accept that not necessarily even lazy but just like they just accept that they're chilled out and they're not in a rush and there's no there's no like panic or drive lazy people don't sit around thinking I need to do this thing right now like why aren't I doing it they just you know that's not even a thought process so for us to be like worrying that we're lazy proves that we're not because it's like the drive is there to do the thing like it's just it's like you just physically yeah can't it's almost like it's the brain doesn't like pass the signal along to like the rest of your body to like catch up with it it's like yeah it's almost like it's like aware and there's like this sort of like conversation going on in my head like yeah you need to do this or you need to stop doing this or and then it's just like not not picked up and like passed on to the next person to tell my like legs to stand up or whatever. Yeah, definitely. It reminds me as well of um, like a conversation I had with uh, the psychiatrist I was seeing about that I kind of, I literally, I said to him, I was like, I feel like I am just rubbish and I've somehow managed to convince both you and myself that I have this condition that I don't even have. And he was like, well, one what does that say about me? Like, this is literally my job. Like, it's my job to know these things. And two, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, trying to trying to explain all these things that just haven't made any sense for so long. But equally, one of the things he said to me, because where I was thinking, like, oh, I just can't get tasks done. And I don't understand why I don't just have the willpower. Like, I've always thought of myself as someone who has no willpower, yeah and like we were talking about like one specific task that I'd been putting off doing for literally like four years or something and he was like if it was a matter of willpower at some point in those four years you would have just done it is that it's not about you not wanting to do it and get like going through that cycle where I'd get up every morning and think like right today I'm gonna do that thing like that task is getting done today and I will not go to bed until it's done and then the day just kind of like blaring on by and me not doing the thing and going to bed feeling like the worst person in the world and then just starting all over again it's so tiring yeah I think it's a thing as well like with the willpower like having the willpower to think about doing that thing every day like if you if yeah if it was about willpower like you wouldn't spend four years thinking about doing something like yeah. that that's, that takes more energy or more like not being lazy to like remind yourself every day to do the thing than actually just you know if you were lazy you'd probably just do it on the first day because it's like then I don't have to think about it anymore but we've actually used up so much more like yeah willpower or like energy in actually like 
trying to do it for all of those days it would actually be easier if you were lazy just to think right well I'll just do it and then I don't have to think about it for the next four years like yeah I think it is like a proper a real breakthrough when you like realize I definitely got that like imposter syndrome as well though like thinking like maybe I'm just faking it to like make everybody Mm. think that that's why I'm so you know I'm actually not useless like yeah I think for me that was like a big thing of like I knew like when I was reading through everything, like after that one conversation with my counselor, I knew reading through it, I was like, I 100% this is me, but I could not accept it until somebody had told me because Mm. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I am just like trying to convince myself that this is the reason why I've not achieved things or this is the reason why I'm chaotic or I haven't fit in or whatever. And it's like somebody that wasn't feeling that way wouldn't, they wouldn't even consider because they'd just be you know, living their life. They wouldn't be thinking like, hmm, what's a way that I can convince everybody that this is the right way to live my life? Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's wild how the overactive mind works. (laughs) So how have you found now that you have started talking about this a lot online and you've sort of founded a community around it, how have you found the response to it? Like, have you spoken to a lot of people who have had a similar experience to you? Is it mainly women you've connected with on those very specific sort of points? What has the community element been like for you? Yeah, I think the the main thing is like finally having that thing of like relating to somebody on something. Mm. And I think that's like something that I have never really had, you know, like when people would be like, oh, you know, when you do this and it's like, no I don't like I think that's the thing that I'd never like through school I never really fit into like friendship groups like I've never really had that thing where I could like deeply relate to somebody and then like you talk to somebody else that's like in the same situation and they're like like it turns out we all have like lived the same life like we've all done that thing where we convince ourselves we're just lazy you know we've all gone through a stage of like you know having all these like wild hyper fixations and it's like having that feeling of being like oh yeah it's so reassuring to like oh my god there's actually so many people out there that are living this same life just Mm -hmm. because I haven't personally bumped into them in my school doesn't mean that like it's just me that's going through it like it's there's so many of us out there we just haven't known or haven't like been in physical contact with each other um but I think yeah I think there's a mix of like all different types of people but I think the further away that you are from that like white cis boy the less likely it is that you get that diagnosis when you're young so the more likely it is that you have all these like relatable experiences because you're undiagnosed so I think like yeah it's just almost that sense of I think a lot of people have like the reason that I wanted to talk about it was to help people get their light bulb moment. And I think a lot of people like have, like I've had so many people reach out and be like, oh my God, I've seen your stuff. Like I related to this thing that you've said, I've looked into it. I think this might be my answer too. I'm going to speak to my doctor. And that is like the best thing in the world being like, that's actually, you know, I know how much better I feel now I've got that clarity and being able to be like the trigger point for somebody else to go away and get that clarity too. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's, just yeah having it like being able to feel normal I think Mm. you know that's something that I have not had and then for me to speak about it and for me to even feel normal when hundreds of people are coming back and saying yeah I do this too I've had this too I've had this too but for all of those people out there to feel normal because they're seeing someone like publicly speaking about it I think yeah it's amazing that we've like I think it's almost like double rewarding because we've waited such a long time to have that feeling of feeling normal or that Mm. feeling of like fitting in or belonging so it's finally like ah we finally like it's here we finally got it it's really nice to one have it myself I think like you know people are like it's amazing that you like speak about it and you help all these people and I'm like it's for me I I get just as much benefit from it as well because I feel like I fit in somewhere like you know I've had the same experiences as everyone out there of like not fitting in and like we're all like getting the benefits like I'm getting the benefit of finally like fitting in and being liked and being related to people and like at the same time in doing that helping other people out there to see it and get that feeling as well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions. And the first one comes in from Grace, who says, Hi, my name is Grace. I'm 18 and was also recently diagnosed with ADHD. This diagnosis has helped me understand my silly little brain a lot more. And I recently learned about how low frustration tolerance and emotional regulation issues can affect people with ADHD. I often get flooded with emotions and feel like throwing a fit because my brain and body just can't handle them. It feels like barely anyone understands me when I feel this way because what may seem like a small inconvenience for someone else will seem like the end of the world for me. I get scared to talk about it because I think people will think I'm overreacting. I feel a lot of shame because I'm an adult and I feel childish in the way I get so flooded with my feelings. Do you have any tips or helpful coping skills for how to deal with this? Yeah, I think this is like definitely something that I can relate to. Like I am definitely that person as well where like the it's like the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, where it's something just happens and it's like it almost like all comes flooding out. I think for me, it's not even like change in that behavior. It's just learning to accept it and think about it in a different way. So I am definitely like the crier. Like that is my thing. Like whether I'm tired, whether I'm happy, sad, like that is my almost like, I think it's like that we're so go, 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 go. And then it's like suddenly all these feelings catch up. And for me, it's a cry. And I was explaining, I so it's my birthday last week and I got really emotional on my birthday. And I was explaining to my mum and I was like, it's not necessarily sadness that's coming out. Like I tried to explain it like a Coke bottle. So like if you've got a Coke bottle and you shake it and whether you're shaking it excitedly mm. or whether you're shaking it angrily or whether you're shaking it sad like whatever emotion you're shaking it with it's still the same like froth that comes out the top and like that's how I feel with us and an emotion and crying like it's not necessarily like yeah it doesn't if I cry it doesn't necessarily mean I'm sad it's just that we've been doing so much shaking because our brains are so kind of yeah like overactive and like always looking for this like extra dopamine hit so we're like searching 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 that's just like shaking 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 and eventually like once you unscrew the lid, it's going to froth everywhere. And I think for me, it's almost like, yeah, learning to treat the emotion as like not getting mad at myself for getting upset or not thinking, you know, I like Grace was saying about kind of feeling childish. I think it's almost like removing that judgment from that thing and just being like, this is just a fact of life. Like I, this is just what happens for me. And I think you all once you like remove that layer of judgment it almost makes the feeling less intense I think because I think you know if you've got this like outburst and then you've also got you you telling yourself like you know why you've been so childish that like adds to the the shaking it adds to the froth whereas if you've just got the the emotion of like I don't know the anger or the sadness or whatever's coming out and it's just that on its own then I think it feels a lot more manageable to be like okay this is a feeling that I'm having like I'm going to have my cry, I'm going to have my, you know, stomp around and then I'm going to feel better afterwards. I think, yeah, removing that like pressure from it. And I guess just like having like safe ways to do that. So for me, like I, if I know that I'm like getting to that bubbling point, I will just take myself out for a really long walk. I'll go with my headphones on. I'll just go for a march and like literally I like hate to think what I might look like because I will literally just like stomp it out but for me I know that's like a safer way to do it Mm. rather than like to keep forcing myself you know going to spend time with people or like then like you know having the reaction in a way that's going to upset somebody or it's going to like damage a friendship or whatever like yeah I guess it's trying to like learn the signs that that's coming even though it does a lot of the time feel out of nowhere I think if I like really think about it I know when it's like come in and then like having almost like a a plan b of what to do at that point so maybe for you it's like going for a walk maybe it's I don't know having a shower to like refresh yourself maybe it's a certain friend that you can like call and rant about it with and you know that they're not going to like take it personally like yeah just having almost like an an outlet for like what you're going to do with all that stuff once it starts overflowing yeah I mean I think the coke bottle analogy is amazing and makes so much sense and as you say it's kind of 
that might look different for different people. So some people might cry, some people might get really angry, some people might just I feel like I'm more just kind of like shut down and can't deal with things because it's yeah. all just everything's got a bit too much. Like I know this is not quite the same as maybe getting upset about something, but that really brought to mind for me kind of it it was always supermarkets I'd really struggle with. <laughs> like busy supermarkets. I went through a period where it just literally I just couldn't handle it. And I don't know if it was a sensory thing or it was just just something about it. But it is that thing where if you don't understand and kind of like talking yeah. down to yourself and being like, why like why can't I deal with this? It's so annoying. But even as Grace is talking about, you know, feeling childish, I feel like, it, you know, we all are all ages have emotions. And I mean, even if you feel childish, if you like imagine yourself as a child getting upset, you wouldn't be like shouting at and then like berating a child for being upset because it doesn't yeah. help. As you said, it's kind of if someone's crying and you're just going, stop crying. What are you crying for? Like that just isn't isn't going to make anyone feel better. So I think that's really good advice. Next question is from Edwarda, who says, how do you feel as a person diagnosed with ADHD about all of the reels and posts online that encourage people to diagnose themselves? And how harmful do you think it can be for people on the Internet who consume this content? I understand that maybe seeing some of the symptoms on videos and posts can help someone look for a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I believe that most of the time people just diagnose themselves and don't always go for professional help. What do you think about that? I think it's a very grey area because I can understand that kind of like thing of like it's not helpful for somebody that doesn't actually have ADHD to kind of think that they do because the things that you know they're going to put into place might not necessarily be the most helpful for them um but I think I am very much kind of like at the other end of the scale that I know that if it wasn't for seeing videos online I would never have got my diagnosis because the stuff that you mm -hmm. see on like the NHS website is very catered at that young white boy so like the way that some of the traits are explained I could have read through it and been like, mm, yeah, kind of like, yeah, I'm a bit forgetful, but like it wouldn't have really related to me in the same way. Whereas when I saw other people with lived experience talking about it, it was almost like translating those black and white symptoms into like a real life experience that I'd experienced. And it was like, oh my God, yeah, I actually really do do that. Um, so I think for me, it and that's kind of why I choose to post about it online because it's giving people that context to relate to. Um, I think another thing to kind of like bring up is that like a medical diagnosis is a huge privilege. Like the waiting lists are so long. Um, like I was really mm -hmm. lucky to be able to afford to pay for it. And I'm so grateful for that, but it's not, that's not possible for everybody. And you know, the, the waiting list can be up to like four years in certain places. So if somebody like some somebody doesn't have a choice whether to get a medical diagnosis or not you know they're literally on the waiting list so if they can make that decision for themselves and self-diagnose then they can you know start the accepting themselves start you know learning why they've done the things that they've done start putting things into place to 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 cope better and I think that that's like the risk of people not knowing is greater than the risk of somebody maybe self-diagnosing a bit like jumping the gun I think like you know it, there's no perfect in a perfect world we'd all be able to you know find out about it go see a doctor the next day get a diagnosis and get the help that we need but we don't live in a perfect world and again like the diagnostic criteria isn't it's based on research and on young white boys so if you're any further away from that, you might, even if you physically have ADHD, you might, if you know, if you're um, like a black person, if you're a queer person, if you're a trans person, if you're a woman, you might go and sit in front of a doctor and go through the things and they're like, hmm, no, that doesn't quite tick the box because the box wasn't designed for how it, how it shows up in you. So like, not only yeah. is it hard to even get to the point of having an appointment, because you might have to either wait four years or pay hundreds of pounds you then also might not even get that answer at the end of the appointment just because the questions weren't worded in quite a way that like represents the way that it shows up for you so yeah I think it's it's a gray area as well like obviously don't watch one video and relate to one thing and think that's it I've got my answer 
but I don't think anyone that actually you know is looking for it would do that I think a lot of it is you know I guess considering that it's not having one trait of ADHD that means that you have ADHD it's having the whole range of them Mm. and relating to loads of different things so I think like my opinion would be that self-diagnosis is completely valid when done in like a thorough way so if you've like gone online you've like watched as much content as you can consume you've like gone through online tests you've like read up on stuff and you at that point with all the information you come to the conclusion that you meet the diagnostic criteria then I think that you're just as valid to make that decision as a doctor is obviously it kind of becomes complicated because ADHD you can get the medication you need a medical diagnosis for that um but I think like there are risks to people talking about the you know seeing one video and and self-diagnosing but I think the greater risk is people not being able to self-diagnose because then they're left in this like state of beating themselves up and not knowing and confusion for such a longer time yeah definitely I agree with a lot of that I think like you say it is a massive privilege to be able to access a diagnosis and I don't know it's kind of it's making me think of um so last week on the podcast uh we had uh Dr Sarah Vora the mind medic who is a psychiatrist and I was talking with her about not about this specifically but about kind of taking mental uh not not mental health in this case but mental sort of advice on social media and we were talking about how you know there's a certain element where you do as a consumer of that media need to exercise you know some critical thinking and kind of go into some of those posts like if you see a post from someone who has ADHD talking about symptoms and you go past it and say oh that sounds like me you kind of need to be thinking to yourself was this a problem for me before like is this is this answering like a problem that I've actually been having or am I just like kind of relating to something which isn't really an issue for me like that one particular trait that I might have is not causing me a problem yeah and kind of think whether it, it is something that you need to really dig into it's it's hard to say as well because as much as we say you know you can do research and try the absolute best you can to to figure these things out even like we were talking about earlier where we were either diagnosed or possibly misdiagnosed with different parts of, you know, different mental health conditions, for example, there are traits of ADHD, which you might read online that very well could be confused with other things. So as you say, in an ideal world, we would all be able to access the professionals who could hundred percent give us the answers to these things as it is. We can't, but I think if you go into go into it with, you know, as much critical thinking as you can muster. And then if you think you've found your answer and what you're doing with that information is, you know, reading self-help articles or like trying some small behavior changes, that's not going to do you any harm. But if that really helps someone who isn't able to access a psychiatrist, for example, then yeah, I I think the harm, as you say, yeah, the risk of harm is fairly low for someone doing that as opposed to what the alternative might be yeah I think it's it's something that I think a lot of people face as well when talking up online like I get so many comments especially on like TikTok where I'll like do a like a relatable post about one one trait or one like yeah thing that I experience and there'll be a comment like this doesn't make you autistic and I'm like no I'm well aware that this doesn't make me autistic this is just one of my experiences as an autistic person and I think it's like yeah finding that level of like just because like it's not that one experience that means that you have ADHD it's that might be something that you experience as a person that has ADHD like one of a hundred experiences so I think with that critical thinking it's like yeah it's like if you're seeing one video and you're like hmm that sounds that sounds about right or if you're literally seeing it over and over again and you're like no seriously this is like explaining my whole entire life then that's like two completely like Mm -hmm. different situations Yeah, I agree. Next question from Emma, who says, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and haven't told many people. How did you tell your friends and family that you have ADHD and what was their reaction? I think I was so obsessed with finding the answer before I found it that there was like, yeah, it was almost like I couldn't shut up about it. So I didn't really have this problem of like (laughs) feeling concerned to tell people because yeah, I was like in that low place and I was like desperately searching for, I think my hyperfixation became 
my own mind. Like I was literally like desperately reading stuff and watching videos and consuming. Like I became obsessed with this idea that, you know, this is the answer for me. So kind of in that, I'd already spoken to like my friends and family. My my partner at the time would literally say to me, like, can we just talk about something else? Like, because I was so consumed. And so it was almost like, yeah, once I got to that point, I didn't have to worry about telling other people because I'd already spoken about it. And I think because I'd already been been vocal about like anxiety in the past like all my family you know knew that I had anxiety they knew that I'd dropped out of school they knew the struggles I'd had so it was almost like a positive thing of like oh I I know why all that stuff happens now rather than being like something that I'm like oh I'm nervous to tell them because you know it's something that they're not going to expect like it was almost like a, a solution to a problem rather than a problem in itself um but I do I do understand that people you know do feel a bit nervous there is still kind of a stigma around things like these and um I think especially like employers people are always worried about telling because it's like oh, I don't want my employer to think that I'm not capable of my job or stuff like that I think it's important to remember that you don't owe anyone anything so if you don't feel comfortable sharing that information with somebody you don't have to like that's it's up it's up to you who Mm. you want to share it with and I think you know it's important like it's one of those kind of classic things of like the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind like I think anybody that you know knows you and loves you and cares about you is going to be happy for, they're not even going to not mind they're going to be actively happy for you that you've got an answer and you've got like the information that you can now go and help make life better for yourself you know they're not going to be like oh you know you're still the same human like nothing changes you've not been given a new brain that's like faulty or whatever you've just got a name for the brain that you've had that your whole life so yeah I think it can feel scary and like hopefully as more people are talking about it that stigma will be kind of lessened and it won't feel like you won't have the worry about people judging you because they will hopefully have more information to not judge you and to know that it's not a bad thing at all um but yeah I think kind of just being being careful with who you do share it with if you are feeling a bit uncertain about it you know don't go to somebody that you know you don't feel like he's going to support you and kind of first turn to the people that you can trust and that you know that will support you and kind of get your confidence in sharing it with them first I guess and yeah I guess remember that remember that nothing's changed you're not you know you're not you're not suddenly a different person just because you've got a name for the thing that's been going on your whole life you're just yeah, it's, it's like a solution to the problem of not knowing rather than a problem in itself. Yeah, definitely. I really like that way of looking at it. I think especially, Emma, because you've said you were recently diagnosed as well. I mean, for some people like like you yourself, like you might have been talking about it already. But if it is a really recent diagnosis for you, like that might just take some time for yeah. you to kind of come to terms with and process yourself as well like it might not be that you know in six months time or a year's time or two weeks time like you might feel much more like you want to talk about it like I think I was quite differently from you I didn't didn't really talk about it much beforehand apart from with so it was uh one of my best friends was actually the person who first sent me Ah. like someone's video who was talking about having ADHD and was like this really (laughs) sounds like you because she obviously knew me so well and kind of knew yeah all of the like horrible things I said to myself in my brain that I didn't tell anyone else um and I'd spoken to my mum already as well and kind of broached that a little bit because as part of um getting a diagnosis like the psychiatrist had encouraged me to do that because you go back and kind of answer questions about what you're like now as an adult what you were like as a child like can you get someone to talk to you about that and kind of see what we what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and all the rest of it so I feel like for me there were a couple of people who I'd sort of spoken to during the process and then when I actually got that diagnosis I sent a text just to like a couple of like my closest like family members and then like they were just really supportive I kind of sent it as in this is what's been going on for me. This is why I looked into it. This is what happened. And this is how I feel about it. So kind of like give them a bit of an overview and not just like, hello. It's if you, I think if you give someone a reason to say like, this is why this has happened, this is what happened. And then 
you know, this is my reaction to it. It kind of gives them a platform to like know yeah. how to talk back yeah, to you about like it. Because I feel like if you go in cold, yeah, if you kind of just say to someone out of the blue, like, oh, by the way, I've got ADHD, which I mean, if that's how you want to do it, of course, that's your right at the same time. But I think a lot of people wouldn't, you know, this is something that we've obviously learned more about, but a lot of people wouldn't know yeah. that much about it. So you wouldn't know whether to say, you know, I'm sorry or like well done or whatever whereas like with a bit of context I feel like my family were literally like congratulations I'm like really proud of you for like going after it like my mum sent me flowers it was so sweet <laughs> like I think if you give people a bit of the background information that you have probably spent so long digging up for yourself it might just make that make that process a little bit easier yeah that definitely makes sense if you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, and you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest, and that's if listeners want to find out more about what we've been talking about today. Could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to, and something to watch? Yeah, I actually found this really hard because I think it's the same thing as well, that it's like the information isn't out there in like the technical places. It's on other people to like be the translators of how it does show up in women. Mm -hmm. um, but something to read, I would recommend um, ADHD and A to Z my lovely friend and ADHD coach Leanne has just republished that and I've actually written the foreword for it so I'm really excited but that for me reading that oh. was like so many things where you kind of have those mini light bulb moments where you're like ah yeah it's like all the things that you haven't like clicked before and then you read through it and you're like ah that explains that that explains that so I would definitely recommend that to read um, to listen to um, some more of my lovely friends uh, have an Instagram account called I am paying attention um, which was a huge part of me learning about myself and having those things to relate to and they run a podcast where they kind of chat about all things being a neurodivergent woman so I would definitely recommend checking their account out and listening to the podcast and something to watch I actually was going to say like other neurodivergent creators because I think for me mm. that was the thing that you know there wasn't there's no kind of like professional resources out there that hit me in the same way as hearing somebody that I could relate to explain something in a way that it, it had showed up for them so I think like yeah listen to other women that have going through the same experience and talk to other people and you know I think looking for the people with ADHD that are creating content is a good way to kind of have, yeah, that translation of maybe a black and white thing that didn't relate to you as much to be in like a moment in life that you can relate to. So yeah, I would say absorb as many kind of creators as you can. Thank you for listening and thank you Ellie for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode I'd love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using and if you've got an extra little minute you can leave a rating and a review as well. Your reviews make a big difference and help other people find the podcast. See you next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.